Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Okay. As I said, I've been uh, away for the last uh, couple of months uh, teaching two month-long retreats. Um, I was um, at uh, in Barry, Massachusetts, teaching at um, the Forest Refuge, which is a a really uh, extraordinary place to to practice. Anybody has been to the Forest Refuge here? Um, it's right next to Insight Meditation Society, the retreat center. They're both part of the same um, the same organization. The retreat center has retreats a lot like Spirit Rock, where many people come for 10 days or um, three months, um, up to various amounts of time organized as a retreat where there's a schedule that everybody does together. Uh, the Forest Refuge, and that, that's usually for about, oh, 90 people or so, uh, I think, or 100 people that can sit a retreat there. Um, and the Forest Refuge is a, um, a kind of semi-self-retreat um, center just a few minutes away uh, where up to 30 people can practice, uh, but they're doing their own schedule. There's um, just um, one meditation, group meditation in the morning um, together, and the meals are together. But other than that, you have your own space, your own room, and you can come and go into the hall as you like. Um, and uh, there's... Instead of a talk each night, there's two talks during the week by the two teachers who are there, and uh, you get uh, two interviews a week instead of every second or third day as you would at a at a more organized retreat. So I was there for January. It's it's about the quietest place that I have I can imagine. Uh, that still has people coming and going in it. Um, and you, uh, people who've practiced there, you can practice anywhere from, I think the minimum is a week, a week or two weeks, up to a year or two years or longer. So there's, it's open-ended as far as uh, how long you can practice if you've done some practice before and it seems like it's a good idea to continue practicing for that length of time. Um, and so people who were there for, in January, some of them were there for, oh, five or six months, uh, and some for just the month, or some for a few weeks. Um, and then this last, we just finished the February retreat that happens every every year at Spirit Rock. Um, and um, there's a month-long retreat in February, followed by a month-long retreat in March, and about 25 people have 
are continuing on for, to sec- the second month. And uh, uh, besides them, uh, there's about 90 people in all who are sitting the that more organized retreat. So, um, yeah, I've been in yogi land, so to speak, for the last few months and uh, last couple of months. And coming back now to emails and deadlines and more mundane conversations, as much as I love being back and uh, I'm, I was ready to be back. It's so different to on a retreat in the in the uh, guide uh, role. You're checking in with people. Um, oh, nine or so people uh, a day for about fifteen minutes each. Sometimes maybe a little bit longer. And uh, it's quite extraordinary to see people in that space and and support them in their process. So I I just wanted to talk a bit, since it's still so much with me, uh, about that process. I see there's Lena and Michelle uh, just came back from the month long. Nice to see you here. Anyone else from month long? And just curious, how many people have done a retreat of, say, a week or longer here. Okay. So, and you can chime in if there are things that uh, you want to share. And as I say, I don't want to just have it about retreats. I want to explore how does the practice work when one does retreats and how does it work when you're um, simply having a daily practice and, um, yeah, because that's what's coming up for me. So, um, it's, for me, such an amazing privilege, as I said, to support people in this. If you haven't done a retreat before, when you come into an interview, you are so open your armoring that we usually need to function in the world is completely or to a great extent um, you've shed it because it's such a safe refuge a a a practice uh, a practice center where everybody is in silence uh, except for the conversations with the teachers and there's nothing, you don't have to be anybody, so you can just be who you really are. And your, as I said, your, your armoring is down, you're so open, and, and there's such a sincerity and a, really a vulnerability when you come in. When I'm on retreat and I go in for an interview, with, I feel like about, oh, six or seven years old, usually, you know, just kind of like, Hi, I'm here. Uh, not, okay, what do we got on tap for today? It's, uh, here I am, just so um, open and inquiring because um, 
after a while, with that armoring down, there's a, a tremendous malleability that is you open on so many different levels in your mind, in your heart, in your body. There's so much more space that things hit in a deeper, in a deeper way. You know, every now and then in your life where something really strikes you and it's like, oh, wow, I never realized that before. We all have those experiences, right? Well, on a retreat, it happens with great regularity because you're not distracted and functioning with a whole lot of stimulation. And when it hits, it's hitting in a much deeper way and there can be a kind of rearranging even cellularly where um, there's shifts that can happen and in that space of honesty and willingness to be here with everything the shifts the shifts that happen there's like a, a new reference point of understanding. There's a, a line I love by um, Oliver Wendell Holmes, who was a Supreme Court justice, <clears throat> good Supreme Court justice, uh, and uh, writer and uh, re- really Renaissance person. He said, um, a mind that's stretched by a new idea does not shrink back to its original dimensions. Isn't that great? A mind stretched by a new idea does not shrink back to its original dimensions. When you see something in a new way, it impacts us. Well, this is continually stretching not just your mind, but your heart as well, and your body in some ways. Um, And when you touch that new understanding, even if you might forget it, it's in there someplace. We can forget, we can, get a, uh, we can get lost in our habits and often do, but there's a new, a deeper understanding that you, you take with you from the retreat. Not that you're in that crystal clarity and quiet and, and sweet, delicious state that sometimes you touch in the retreats, but that even in your busy life, there's a new place of stillness that you are developing and you, uh, it's, it's accessible more and more. <clears throat> and just sitting with everything, and this is the, the amazing thing that the Buddha saw, if you just sit and be here for your experience one moment after another after another. There's a momentum of mindfulness that develops that has unusual properties to awaken the heart and the mind. You're just sitting here willing to be here with the difficult stuff, with your fears, with your sadness, 
with your loneliness, with your wanting, with your judgments, all of that. And just sit here and here is an awareness that can be with that. And you sit and you're with love and understanding and compassion and clarity and gratitude and courage. All of those qualities that you want to develop, equanimity, peace, calm, they arise, and this too is part of the human experience. And this too is part of the human experience. The highs and the lows, and you go through, in a day, lots of different moods, and here you are able to just learn to be with it all, and there's a tremendous courage and heartfulness and wisdom and inner strength that arises just by willing to be here for the ride. And that that mindful quality has a unique property of weakening all the unwholesome states of mind and heart and strengthening all the wholesome states. That's one of the amazing discoveries that the Buddha saw, as he says in the the discourse that all of mindfulness practice is based on, there is one most direct way to overcome sorrow and lamentation and, and pain and anxiety and realize the highest happiness possible, and that is the establishment of mindfulness. Just seeing what's here in the moment without wanting or trying to change it but being willing to be with your whole experience. Mm -mm. And in that, there are these understandings that, as I said, arise, and that's why it's sometimes called insight meditation. It's like you see, oh, wow, look at that. Not because you're so clever. Uh Uh-huh, see, I knew that was the story. It's in order to have an experience of, oh, uh uh-huh, oh, look at that. It means you're seeing something in a new way. And it might be about your personal history. It might be about everything from your whole life, from childhood up until the week before you came, can arise. It's all in there, you know, in the hard drive, in that big hard drive with a lot of memory in there. It's all in there. And you have perhaps new perspectives about your personal history, and also new understandings about the human experience in general, and seeing how everything changes, seeing how holding on to changing experience is, is going to be suffering, seeing how you are that changing experience. <clears throat> And there are many ways to do this practice. And I thought as part of the sharing tonight, I would take you on maybe a little journey to show you or to offer you 
the many ways there are to practice. Now, I I don't want to confuse you as you do this, and uh, there's not going to be an exam afterwards, so uh, don't worry about remembering all of this. But just so you know, there's lots of different ways to take in the present moment. And when people come on a retreat, like the month long that just happened, we give instructions, general instructions, but each person might be doing, is doing their own particular way of practicing, with the general idea being knowing what's happening. And as you've heard me say, if you've come here um, many times, for me, it comes down to knowing what's happening now and opening to your experience with a mind that's relaxed and interested and kind. But there's many, many different ways to do that. So um, just as a little bit of a, an exploration together, we'll do a few of these and just give you a little bit of a taste. Okay? So understand that there's no one right way. And if you've gotten some instructions that say, this is how you're supposed to meditate, uh, just take that with a grain of salt and just know there's many ways to develop mindfulness. So often on retreat, what we start with is just collecting the attention and focusing it on one particular object to stabilize and compose the mind. Often that object is the breath, although not necessarily. There can be a number of different what's called anchors or your home base, but the breath is the most common one and the one that the Buddha used to to just sharpen the awareness so that then it can be applied to many different things. So just for a few moments now, as you sit here, and you might sit up as you do this, notice where you feel the breath breath most clearly. Maybe you feel it as it enters the nostrils. Or maybe you feel it as the belly is rising and falling. Or maybe you feel it as the whole body expands and contracts. Just wherever you notice it, let your attention connect with that experience of breathing. Everything else can be in the background. Let the mind be very relaxed and spacious And just guide your attention to become very interested in this breath. See if you can notice just when the breath begins. See if you can notice the full in-breath, either at the nostrils or the belly or the chest or wherever, just see that whole movement in. See if you can connect with it, this in-breath. 
Now see if you can notice when the in-breath ends and when it turns into the out-breath. See if you can catch just that moment of turning. Now follow the out-breath and see if you can be there through the beginning, middle, and end of this out-breath. Now see if you can notice just when the out-breath ends and if it turns right into the next in-breath or if there's a space that sometimes happens. Just check it out. Now notice if the in-breath is longer or shorter than the out-breath, or perhaps equal. Or smoother or rougher. If you're noticing at the nostrils, see if they come in equally in both nostrils or more one than the other. Or if you're feeling at the belly, see if you feel it as a balloon or a band. See if you can notice something that you haven't seen before, just with a very curious, interested investigation. If your mind wandered off or you found yourself getting sleepy, no judgment. That's one of the key principles. No judgment. You do the best you can. But if you're doing that over the course of a day or days, your mind can get very, very um, focused It can get, if you continue to do that over the course of weeks, you can actually 
develop very strong states of concentration and absorption, uh, states that are uh, known as jhanas, J-H-A-N-A-S. And that's, some people are just doing concentration. Others become a little concentrated and then start to notice different parts of their experience. So another way that people practice is once the mind gets a little bit composed to notice whatever is arising in the moment and to name it. And that's the mental noting kind of practice. So I'll just be noting out loud here so you can see, you can take a little visit into my mind at this moment. And um, mm, wondering, that is wondering how you're receiving this. Sitting, hearing, breathing in, breathing out. Sensation, lips touching, thinking, breathing in, breathing out. So you get the idea, whatever you happen to be doing, just to name it in a very gentle way so that you are connected with your experience. So for a a few moments now, Once again, go inside. And without getting into the stories, just notice what your actual experience is. And you might, if you haven't done this before, just start out with, um, now I'm aware of this. Now I'm aware of that. Just naming your experience very gently. And if you're not sure what to pay attention to, there's always the breath or just knowing that you're sitting. Oh, sitting, sitting. And if you notice your mind wandering, just coming back very kindly. So if you do that through the whole day, as much as you can, every waking moment, 
there's a continuity of awareness that gets developed that's quite profound. And just naming your experience. For some people, the words get in the way. They say, give me a break. I don't need all of these words. And so it's not that the mental noting is the only way. It's just an effective tool. Then there's a whole other aspect of being aware. And that is to be aware of the knowing of your experience. So, for instance, as you look at me, okay, or as you're just be sitting here, all of a sudden, uh, are you aware that you're seeing? Probably. Now, are you aware that you're hearing as you listen to these words? Oh, now, hearing. There's an awareness that is knowing that. Can you turn that awareness off? Can you look at me and not see me? If your eyes are working? Can anyone turn it off? No, it's just happening all by itself. Can you not hear these words? If your ears are functioning well, no. The knowing just happens all by itself. So now, whatever you happen to be noticing, be aware that awareness is knowing. That is, be aware of the knowing aspect. So here you are, sit again. Like, and whatever you are noticing, you might notice a sound, but be aware that you're knowing it. Or you might notice a sensation and tune into the awareness that knows it. It's simply awareness awareing, as I like to say. The awareness is happening all by itself and just tuning into that. It's very subtle. Don't strain yourself. Just relax. Knowing is happening all by itself. Whatever sense door, knowing is happening. All by itself. Okay, so this is another way to tune into the the moment, not so much the objects happening in your experience, but the awareness that knows it. (laughs) 
before I go on, there's a couple more that I want to do, but I just want to check in and see uh, right now, is there any anything that comes up or any question that comes up from what we've done so far? You want to just say it in there? Yeah, put it right for the last close to you. Side. Put it right next to your lip. Yeah. Are you thinking about the fact that you're aware of something, or are you somehow aware of it? And it seems a bit vague. Like I don't know what exactly are you, is happening there. Yeah, it is a bit vague. It's not so much you're thinking about it, you're experiencing, you're tuning into the awareness, the fact that knowing is happening. Uh, and don't strain yourself, uh, but just rather, usually when we, when we focus on objects, like a sound or a sensation, we are tuning right into the object and, um, and become very um, connected with the thing that's happening. But this is, there's a knowing of that thing. So this is just on a subtle level, being aware that knowing is happening. If it doesn't compute, just let it go. Yeah, one more. I'm wondering if you can say a few words about the very beginning of a retreat, um, what I experience is an incredible amount of agitation and just my mind just wanting to fight um, and anticipate the suffering that's to come from being there for (laughs) seven days, 10 days. I haven't done 30 days yet because my brain is keeping me from doing that. Mm. Uh, But there is this, my brain in the first day is just a freaking monkey Mm. and um, just fighting. Yeah, just I I don't think it's a puppy dog. It's monkey. <laughs> it's 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 it, it's fighting. It's fighting the anticipation of sitting still, being uncomfortable and not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, the beginning of any retreat is the hardest part. The first 3 days, it takes about 3 days to just land in the present moment. And so the very first few days there's restlessness sleepiness, aches in the body, and wandering mind. That's the settling in period. It's like a detox period. Not even so much, oh, wondering what's... You might, your mind might go to wondering what's happening, but it's more that settling in. It's, we're so used to operating on outside stimulation. You come here, and it's a very different thing to get in touch with this internal world. And it takes a while to just settle in. The easier, what gets easier is you know that that's part of the package. And so you don't have to fight it so much. And it's the struggling or thinking that it should be different or getting lost in the stories that makes it extra hard. But if you just say, oh, settling in Buddha or just freaking out Buddha, this is what's happening. And I'll, don't struggle and take it personally. The mind starts to settle down even more. So just to know that that's what the beginning is about. 
And the struggle is extra. And if you can change it from this monkey that's biting to just a cute puppy dog that doesn't know any better, even that new relationship can help the process a lot. Okay, so, oh, yeah, Sheridan. So nice to see you here. Um, I've been very interested in that awareness of the awareness practice, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure if I'm... if I'm doing it or not. It, I don't know if it's just very, very subtle, but in my, it, I guess I could describe it, I could, it feels like a backing up. Yes. Somehow. But it's very subtle, and uh, I don't know, it just, ever since I heard about it, it's just kind of fascinated me, and I've, uh, yeah, but I'm also kind of, confused about it and I don't know if I'm doing it and so. it, it it is it's subtle at the beginning it's hard to kind of get your get a, a handle on it it's actually hard to get a handle on it anyway if you go you can't go too close to awareness it's like um hmm, uh, can you see your eyeball it's the one thing that you can't see, unless you look in a mirror, of course, but you can't see it directly, right? But you know it's there. It's kind of like that. You can't catch it, but you sense it. And in the same way, like you said, there's a little bit of a backing up. Instead of getting so close to the objects, you get a sense that there's something that's knowing those objects, and so it's more relaxing into it, relaxing back into it, and just sensing that awareness is knowing experience. There's the, the experience, and there's the knowing of it. And so you're just tuning into how things are known in one moment after another. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I want to do uh, one more uh, kind of practice that, that we do, and uh, that's the whole, um, the heart practices. There's the loving-kindness practice, metta meditation, or compassion meditation, or what, whatever uh, the heart practices. There are four main ones. And there are some people who are just doing loving-kindness practice for a month, which is a nice thing to do. Uh, although it's not always loving every single moment. Sometimes other stuff comes up. But you're just simply practicing well-wishing for yourself or for others. And so uh, as you, um, once again, close your eyes, relax your mind, and just wish yourself well. Uh, If you like, and we've done this before, you might just Put your hand on your heart. And in a very tender, loving way, just wish yourself well. May I have ease of mind. May I be kind to myself.
And just let yourself feel that. Now you might bring someone else to mind who you have a lot of warm feelings for. Not complicated, but just a warm connection. And just wish them well. May you really be happy. And may you feel my love for you. Just noticing how that feels. And let your awareness simply rest in that feeling of well-wishing. Just a, a kind heart. So if you practice that day after day after day, uh, after a while it starts to, um, those seeds that you plant start to uh, sprout. And lo and behold, you might find you really like yourself. You know? Which is one of the best things you can do for everybody else in your life. So, I think I'll just stop here with, the, the, there's a number of others that I, I won't get into, but just to see how many different ways, and to know that when you do have a chance to do intensive practice, that um, if you can do it with a very kind, patient um, loving heart, interested heart and interested mind, there's amazing things that can happen that aren't normally available to us in our waking state because of all the stimuli that we're taking in and the, the opening that is not usually available to us uh, can be accessed. As it, as it turns, actually, I don't want to put anyone on the spot, but uh, having done a, a month long, um, if if either of you who've just sat have anything to say about what it, it's like, Lena or or Michelle or uh, anybody else, as far as their their own um, experience of of how retreat has has affected you, Lena, yeah, just. Thank you. Do you hear me? Yeah. I did a really intensive um, loving kindness and compassion practice day after day. And one, towards the end, one very difficult morning, um, morning till noon, I suddenly heard myself saying, Lena, I love you. <laughs> and it's like, wow. And I've never have said that before for myself. And it kind of and I still have it every time something I don't like or it's like it's like is it still there? It's like 
Lena, I love you. Mm. And like, and I can relax. Whatever it is, it's it's for me. It's really magic. Now, mm-hmm. it is magic. Yeah. Uh, it does. Don't you feel happy just hearing that? And I just, it's so. I didn't think it was possible. Mm. Mm. Wow. Thank you. We'll we'll take you with us wherever we go. Is the, the, the testimony? Yeah, I mean that that's about as uh, what a gift to really see. Oh, I love you. Sounds pretty good, huh? It's uh, I wish that for for all all of you, all of us too. Michelle, anything you want to say? Here, oh, just anything that. That might have come from the from practicing for a month. I don't know if I have anything to say. And you put it real close to your mouth. Yeah, yeah, it's on. Yeah, I don't. I don't quite know if I have anything. Anything to put into words yet? I recommend it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why? Um, you put it real close and speak up. Why do I recommend it? It's. Yeah, if someone has the, you know, the circumstances and everything comes together to do it, it's kind of like what you were saying. There's access to this um, depth within oneself that's always there, but it's so hard to get to in daily busyness. And so to just like peel down the layers and... um, have that kind of safety and time and space, you just get to see what's in there, and it's good. Mm, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that also that happens, and just uh, looking at you, and uh, that uh, I, I so appreciated your practice this month, and uh, is that you start not believing your thoughts quite as much, and not taken so personally. It's kind of like you're, you're making friends with all the different parts of your mind and instead of struggling and fighting, it's like, wow, look at that. Look at the mind do its thing. And uh, I know you got glimpses of that. And um, also, it's, it's true that sometimes the retreat gets revealed over the next months or even years so it's like oh that's that's the what's what i'm learning from this so um hmm, not much time left i just want to share a little bit don't have all that much time as far as the daily practice just in case you're saying well i don't have time to do a month or that's not how my life is you know maybe you have kids or and can't get away or maybe you your circumstances don't permit that I really want to um, underscore, and maybe you've, you've probably found this so, otherwise you wouldn't be coming here and, and appreciating meditation, that um, a lot can happen with the daily practice. It changes people's lives. Uh, it's true that a retreat can enable a deeper transformation uh, but in doing consistently 
a daily practice, you take a break from the stories in your mind to just even see, oh, this is what the mind does. And I, uh, I wanted to share with you some of the some of the benefits. Um, I, I googled, by the way, benefits uh, uh, mindfulness meditation benefits, and there are there were uh, twenty four million results. So something is going on, right? And when people learn the mindfulness-based stress reduction, there's so much research done on the MBSR program, which John Kabat-Zinn developed. Uh, And one of the reasons it's become so popular is there's scientific research uh, that shows all the benefits of it. Um, When you go in with that motivation, uh, Lena, by the way, is, is a an MBSR trainer. She's like the John Kabat-Zinn of Finland. Uh, all, the, all the MBSR trainers in Finland are, are taught by, by Lena. Uh, that um, if you're motivated, if you're very motivated, amazing things can happen. Um, in fact, here, let me uh, share this. My wife, Jane, uh, who I mentioned before, she teaches mindfulness-based stress reduction at uh, UCSF Osher Center for Integrative Medicine. And she just finished this um, course. It's an eight-week course with these. um, She's in a study, uh, HIV patients who are experiencing cognitive decline to see if um, how mindfulness affects their process. And uh, she... Uh, she just brought home some evaluation forms, and I said, oh, I want to share some of these. This is people who've never meditated before, who have HIV in this study, and experiencing what mindfulness is about. This person said, "Um, I don't want it to end. It's given me lifelong tools to deal deal with my anxiety. Um, It's brought me to the point of being completely pain-free after suffering chronic lower back and back pain and neck pain for three years. This is somebody who's never done this before, right? This is somebody else. This course has helped me so much that I've been able to stop taking my prescription uh, for HIV-related anxiety. I no longer need it, exclamation mark. It's taught me how to reduce stress, be more mindful of my daily routines, and to be aware of my body and my surroundings. I would like to recommend for future classes to my friends. Just somebody who was motivated, saying, okay, I'm going to try this stuff. So you don't have to go for a month-long retreat. And here's some of the, uh, I won't read the 24 million results, but this is uh, 20 scientific reasons by, this is Emma Sapala, a researcher at Stanford, uh, about mindfulness. It boosts your health, increased immune function, decreases pain, 
decreases inflammation at the cellular level, boosts your happiness, increases positive emotion, decreases depression, anxiety, stress, boosts your social life, increases social connection and emotional intelligence, makes you more compassionate. There are research studies. There's under, there are links to every one of these. Uh, makes you more compassionate, makes you feel less lonely. Improves your ability to self-regulate your emotions. Improves your ability to introspect, see inside. Changes your brain for the better. Increases gray matter, volume areas related to emotional regulation. Increases cortical thickness in areas related to paying attention. Increases your focus and attention, your ability to... Improves your ability to multitask. Mm. <laughs> Take that one with a grain of salt. Uh, it might, but there's, there's a price to pay. Improves your memory. Improves your ability to be creative and listen to cell phone rings. Improves your ability to be creative and think outside the box, and it makes you wiser. Mm. Somebody's. So... Don't um, don't be discouraged if uh, you can't do a retreat. Um, it's happening. Every moment of mindfulness counts. Actually, a, a friend of mine who um, is in England, uh, who's taught uh, now 125 members of parliament, um, and uh, they've come out with a study on the Mindful Nation UK, where they... Um, they are recommending that the government doesn't that sound good <laughs> that the government um, invest in mindfulness so that uh, all of the I don't have it with me let's see did I, have, did I bring it back no I didn't bring it uh, towards uh, criminal justice health and of course, it's used in schools, in businesses, in prisons, um, for all kinds of psychological problems. The government is saying, we need to do this. So um, I just want you to really appreciate your practice, whether it's a daily practice or if you ever get a chance to do a retreat, do a retreat. Um, it's helpful to do it with some guidance with people who, who, are, who know the territory. But um, if you have just minimal mental stability, um, it's such an amazing thing to, to give yourself and the world. So um, I think I'll end there, and we can do our um, dedication of merit. Uh, if there are any cards, are there any cards? No cards? Okay. So we'll just, um, one more time, go inside. And appreciate the fact that you love the truth. And you are appreciating being more present for your life. And send yourself some kind energy. May I 
learn to be kinder and more present in my life. And share my love well. And may my practice be of benefit not only to myself, but everyone in my life. May I be a bit kinder and a bit more understanding. And may whatever we do here together, spending this evening, ripple out and be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all become kinder, clearer, wiser, and free. So, thank you very much for your attention. Share your practice with the world. Have a good week, and um, if you uh, would help stack up the the chairs uh, carefully, that would be great.